Uh, pray, pray, pray with me for the message today. Dear, dear Jesus, thank you that you give us your word. Thank you that you've given us your heart, God. Thank you that we can come together and worship you in spirit and truth and representing you well in worship, God, by our congregating, but also by our respect for public health, God. And I ask that you bind us together, Lord, as cords that cannot be broken, God, as, as one body celebrating the name of Jesus. And I ask this all in your name, God. Amen. Now, there's, there's a lot of static in the airwaves today. There's, there's a lot of a lot of a lot going on. I mean, it's pretty easy to look around and to say, oh, look, another thing is on fire. This is fantastic. And that we're taking in all these things around us, all this raw information, and we're trying to figure out how do we process these things. And then we're, once we get halfway through that while dealing with the other thing over here, we're saying, how do we cope with what's going on? And I'm coming to find by observation that with all the information that's out there and all the things that we're trying to cope with, we're losing touch with the ability to guide and direct our hearts in the way that they are to go. There's a lot coming in here. There's a lot I could observe here. But there's been this disconnect between what we're taking in and what's being put out from us. And it is crucially important that we know how to direct and guide the hearts that we have been given. And our goal for today is to regain a sense of vision for the long run and to be able to keep on the path that we are to go on. Now, if you have a Bible with you, go on to Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 19. That will be on screen. I will say if you're used to slides, there will not be any slides today. <laughs> Did not have time for that, and I'll take, I'll take default on that one. But turn, turn to Proverbs 23, 19. I'll give you a second if you have a manual Bible, <laughs> a non-e-Bible. <laughs> this is the whole crux of what we're doing today, by the way. So if you're a note taker, congrats. We're parking here. There'll be a couple of excursions, but this, this is the big beef of it. So Proverbs 23, 19. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. That's what we're doing. Three and a half things. We're going to hear, and when we hear, we're going to be wise, and being wise, we're going to be able to direct, and then half, in the way. That's the whole lot of it. If you're, if you're a note taker, hear, be wise, direct, and the way. That's it. So what does it mean, though, to hear in order to become wise, in order to direct your heart in the way? Well, quite literally in Hebrew, with the word that's there, it means to obey. It doesn't just mean to, to take in. It means to obey. And I would contend that very much today, we are all obeying the things that we are hearing but is it God that you are hearing? Because again, there's so much information. There's so much out there that's really easy to pick a lane, stick with it, listen to it, and then without realizing you're obeying it. We need to hear from God 
if we are to be wise and to commit ourselves to be in the direction that we are to go in the long run, to follow him, to be on the path that God has set forward for us. So how do we hear from God then? Open the book. Open your Bible. Contend with it. Meaning, don't just sit there, do five minutes with Dr. Stanley in the morning, and then walk away. You'd sit in that book, you look at that text, and you'd commit yourself to look at it until it affects you, until it does something for your raging heart and touches your desires and emotional state, until something happens in your mind with the text where your thoughts are being transformed from the bills and the worrying and the future and the thising and the thatting to being conformed unto his image and looking. You want to be like Jacob, who in the Old Testament wrestled with God and would not let him go until God blessed him. And in the process of being blessed, God changed him, and God changed him by breaking his hip. And though he walked with a limp forever, he was transformed in his, the very nature of his being and blessed. That's what we got to be like with the word of God. It might break you, but it will build you. It'll tear you down to your core and to your bones, but it will build you back up into a heart place and an encouragement that you have never known before. We must hear from God louder than any voice that rages around us today. We must wrestle with it. We must be spiritually formed people. Soak it in and then hold it in your mind throughout the day. Because if we, if we sit there and put the spiritual place here and put the whole of life here, you will not be transformed. You're, gonna, you're just going to sit in it and you have a little God bubble. But if you hold it in your head, you mull it over, you think about its implications, you, you talk about it with others, it will do things to you. And it will do great things to your disposition throughout the week. And in the dividing of sword and spirit, it'll help you navigate everything that we are going through right now. How do we hear from God? Be in prayer. Be praying over the phone. You know, my buddies and I, we shoot each other uh, text message prayers for encouragement and to keep our heads up. Emails, you know, I don't know, maybe an Instagram video or something like that, but be in, be in prayer. Be in prayer because prayer aligns us with the will of God. It's how we talk to him. You know, there's something with, with some of the, the youth group kids and the young adults throughout time that I describe as the word vomit prayer. <laughs> so when you take all the nastiest going on and all the things that you're dealing with and you just, ah, it over to God. God wants that. He already sees it anyway. Just give it to him. All those bad emotions, yep. all those bad feelings, yep. all those things you're going through, just, just word vomit it to God. It's okay. David wrote at least 30 very angsty psalms very lamentful things, but they always ended in praise. Get it out your system. You don't need to be strong because in, his, in your weakness, his strength is perfected. And he will lead you in the way when you pray in honest and earnest. When you let him touch the nasty that he already sees. How do we hear from God? You throw down your best karaoke worship in your car. You know, turn on whatever CD you like. If you're like a Darlene's a check, shout to the Lord, or like a Young and Free, or like a John Mark McMillan, it's my kind of tastes. 
just throw it on and go at it. We're driving places anyway. It's a safe environment too, being alone in the car. If you're concerned with the people around you, they're probably bumping something with heavy bass anyway. <laughs> but how do we hear from God? You throw down your best karaoke worship in the car. How do we hear from God? Be still and listen. I'm not good at that part. My natural operating speed from the moment I was born to this day and hopefully forevermore is at the speed in between sound and light. Fast. That's my preferred way of living in a speed sense. Um, that's how I like to operate. Boom, boom, boom. Things are done. I'm on to the next task. Boom, boom, boom. I've, I've called these five people while writing this paper for this, while you know, doing my whatever. That's, that's the way I like to, to, to be and to do. You know, the only thing I try not to do is drive too fast because that's the dangerous. <laughs> but for me, the, the spiritual discipline, if you will, of stillness is difficult. It is so difficult. But, and here's the funny thing. It's not difficult for me um, in the sense of just slowing down, which is a factor of it, because I, I rather like being in like the woods and stuff like that. But it's difficult because I have to slow the, the ragingness of my heart and my mind down. My desires need to shut up because they're very loud sometimes. The worrying needs to, to shut it. And these things are a loud voice that get in the way because the world will always be shouting loudly at you. And we need to hear the voice of God louder than the shouting of the world. And sometimes that means being still and knowing he is God and saying, I'm listening. I've contended with the text, God. I've been in prayer. I gave my best American idol in my Hyundai. <laughs> like, I'm listening. And then you're just sitting and taking it in. And you'd be surprised sometimes what God has to say to you. Now, for me, the best way to be still is actually to kind of just move a little bit. So I've taken to walking the beach. I don't even like the beach, which is a hot take for a Long Islander, but it, 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 works, it works for me because it helps me not focus on the things because it's just me, sand, and water, you know? Or like find, finding certain spots that I had, I had called like um, holy spots. Like I have something I wrote in my Bible at, at the um, behest of a friend saying write down like five to eight spots that are like holy spots for you. Places that only you know about that you can go and you know that you could kind of shut down there to be able to turn on with God. And that's been a very good practice. In terms of quarantining, I've taken to the driving a lot with that. And it's been a fruitful endeavor. So we need to hear we need to hear, we need to hear, we need to hear from God. What is next then? We must be wise. Or in the more literal sense of the Hebrew word that's used there, the word there doesn't actually just mean wisdom. It means to be becoming wise, become wise. It's not just the whole like rest and pontificate. It's saying be actively engaged in the pursuit of wisdom. But what is wisdom in this day and age when everything seems to be folly? Well, Wisdom is the gaining of the knowledge of God that prepares us for the eternal. Or in other words, it's learning kingdom values and applying them in our lives so as to be better citizens of heaven. Learning what the way and rule of heaven is and I'm applying them while a citizen here on this earth. Because I'm not really a citizen here. Citizen there. And that's wisdom. 
But where does that start from? Because you may feel, well, I am a fool. Where do I become wise? Or I feel like I know stuff, but I'm not wise. Well, Proverbs, again, teaches us in 9.10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What is the fear of the Lord? Is it cowering in fear of God, running away from him like a horror film? No. The fear of the Lord is a reverent awe and respect for God and his holiness. Or in in a way that I think might capture it a little better than words, it's the of God. You know? It's the the, 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 um, beholding of the magnificence of him recognizing what you're in front of and saying, yeah, I know. I, I, I can see who I'm looking at. I know who I'm hearing from. That's the beginning place of becoming wise. And if that's the place you sit in and you don't feel like you're learning and you keep making mistakes, well, let me tell you, making mistakes and learning from them every day isn't being a fool. It is saying, I am a little wiser every day. Is moving forward in the practice of godliness and the application of kingdom values. So that beginning spot is saying, I will revere you, God. And you get to that place from hearing and being still and observing. But it's not enough then to say, oh, I'm hearing. I'm taking these things and contending with them to understanding they are the heavenly values which will be applied to my life. Now it's time to put the pedal to the metal You need to direct your heart in the way. So by that that Holy Spirit power that you're all juiced on now from from your reading and praying, now that you've yielded more of yourself over to him, that wisdom that you got going, it it doesn't just sit. You don't just have this big bowl of wisdom to sit and write books no one will read. (laughs) You know? Has to bridle your heart like wrestling with an unbroken horse. Because your heart is a factory of idols. And it will tear you down time and again. So in bridling it, what the text means there when it says to direct, what it's saying is more literally um, in terms of Hebrew, to go straight, to lead on. And the way means to journey uh, or to journey on or to keep on keeping on, you know, to follow in this same pattern and behavior. So when we look at those things together, literally what it's saying in directing your heart in the way, it's saying move straight ahead in the journey of your life that you are to go on, most literally. Which sounds familiar to you and you may not know why, because Jesus offered these same thoughts to us in Matthew 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. There are many scriptures that talk about how there is one way and one path that we must follow. And anything that's even a slight deviation from is not really following. It's not easy to follow. The Lord preserves us in salvation, and I praise him for that all the time. But to stay in that path sometimes requires a lot of grumbling. A lot of, I don't want to do this, God, but I'm going to follow you. God, I'm having a hard time with these things that you want. I'll follow through. God, I don't even see where this is going, but I'll still follow you. 
That's following the narrow way. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and being like, yes, God, we will do this. No, it's a lot of, a lot of grumbling, to be honest. A lot of wrestling until God has your heart in the way that it is to be. But there is that only one way. And that is the one way that you are to go and the one way that you are to direct your heart in. And that is the way of wisdom, the way of hearing from God, the way of being a better kingdom citizen, of making his ways your ways, his thoughts your thoughts. And what's interesting there too is the word for direct there doesn't just mean to go straight on and to, and to lead on, but it also is translated in certain spots as blessed or fortunate. So when you are hearing from God, when you're becoming wise, when your heart is moving forward in the way that it is to go, not only is it moving in a straight path, but that is the path of being blessed, being fortunate. The path of following, the, of following God is the only path to blessing. And we already know from Ephesians that we have been blessed in every uh, spiritual way in the heavenlies. You got to stick on that path, though. You got to stay the course. I know it is hard. It is hard when all of society is locked up for a year because we have to, to protect one another from each other. It is hard when discourse becomes very unfriendly, when family issues occur. But the path of the Lord is the only way out and forward, is the only path to blessing, is the only way we are to go and the only way that God will lead you. What is it then, the directed heart? What does it look like when you're, when you're going full steam ahead, when you're hearing, when you're becoming wise, when you're directed? Well, first off, it's committed to the narrow way, like it says in Matthew 7. It has the reverent awe to God in his holiness. We hear in Proverbs. It's growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Marks the maturity in which the Spirit works as you're growing in capacities in Galatians 5. It's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and growing to love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or actually, another way you could even say that too is growing to love your neighbor with empathy. It's being like a tree planted near streams of water that's always fruitful because its position is near constant nourishment. That is the directed heart. That is the full steam ahead Christian that is someone who is committed to the Lord and you're saying, this is the way we're going. And that's every day, by the way. You can't do it on Sunday and it's going to work out through Saturday and you just do it again on Sunday. No. From the moment you put your eyes open in the morning to when you lay your head back down to rest, you are contending with your heart. It's not stopping. It's, it's going to keep giving you raging desires. You're going to keep desiring things and worrying about things. So it needs to continuously be bridled and directed. But if we know that through hearing from God, we're becoming wise and are therefore able to direct our heart in the way, it would stand to say that when we hear from the world, it would incline us to folly and that that would lead to an undirected, an unbridled heart, not hearing from God, makes you stupid, unwise, 
and you're unable to control the raging desire. So instead of staying straight, you're going like this constantly, swirling from desire to desire, thought to thought, worry to worry, which means there's three, three or four questions that we should ask ourselves in order to say, where is my heart at right now? And that's, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? Are you listening to Fox News? To CNN? Facebook and TikTok? Because if you're listening to them and that's the loudest voice, that's what you're obeying. And from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what you're speaking unto others and doing unto others then is being informed by the world and not by Christ. And that is not okay and very unbecoming, oh Christian. And then you must say, how is this affecting my mind, heart, and actions? Because if you take in the world, you're going to be given worldly wisdom. Note the air quotations. That will incline your heart to, to foolishness, to folly, stupidity. And your actions will follow suit. Meaning, what is my heart giving way to? What am I pursuing to satisfy myself? Because eventually you're going to hear from the world. It's going to give you garbage. You're going to take garbage into your heart and your mind. You're going to follow through with garbage actions. And you're going to say, well, I'm not satisfied. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. I'm not moving forward in a direction. What am I to do? Well, you're going to potentially, you are going to then give, give way to something of the earth to satisfy yourself. You know, in Proverbs, again, at 23, where we primarily are, looking at 20 and 21, it says, be not among drunkards, or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. What Solomon, who wrote this, who is potentially the richest man who ever lived, who scripture calls the wisest man who ever lived, is saying that the undirected heart gives ways to temptations of sensual pleasures. I mean... We've been quarantining a long time. I mean, just, just hey, straight in line with the text here. How's, how's your drinking been? Adults in the room if, and on the internet, if you choose to partake in it, how has your drinking been? Are you drinking more? Are you drinking too much? How's your eating? What are you stocking your shelves and your mouth with? Is it profitable to you and your body or is it just excessive? That high-speed internet connection that you bought to make quarantining easier, has it been a blessing or a snare? The increased time on social media, most likely, oh, young person or anyone else right now, really, that, that you're, you're spending. Are you spending time with it or is it spending time with you? Look at that screen time report on your cell phones and see how much of your life it owns in hours and the fruit of your posting and your receiving. It's on your feed. In the same manner that verses 20 through 21 describe continual excessive participation in sensual pleasures that will cost your pocket greatly, it goes to say that when our undirected hearts participate in the pleasures of this world, we are settling for spiritual poverty. And it's senseless for us 
to settle for spiritual poverty when our Father is a rich king. We ought not have to settle for poverty either, for emptiness. For the end of all uh, of the sensual pleasures of mankind is meaninglessness. But the end result of hearing from God and applying wisdom to a directed heart is joy. And with that strength of joy, our hearts are guided. James 1, 2 through 4 in New Testament terms kind of phrases it like this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you endure trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And on the surface, when we read this, we see that what's being said here is you should esteem the trials that you're going through as reasons for joy because it refines your faith. But when we look a little further in, uh, that, that word for steadfastness there means endurance and perseverance to the direction that you're moving in, to the straight path. Starts, you're seeing some of the parallels? Gets a little more. When that word for it, when it says, in, in uh, James uh, 1, 2, when it says trials, the Greek word there is pirasmos, which doesn't just mean the situations that you're going through, what we would define as trials. It also means temptations. So when we feel the temptations for excess, for, for the, the aforementioned uh, uh, drinking and eating to excess and interneting among other things, and they're raging on the inside and we have to fight it, Scripture is telling us to count that as a reason for joy. See, it, it's, it's, it sounds confusing at first because you're like, I don't want to feel joy for that because it's gross. But here's the deal. If, you, if you're hearing from God, if you're being wise and you're applying yourself to, to direct yourself in the way that you are to go, you're able to fight back the enemy and deal with those temptations in a way where they're kicked down to the curb because you're kicking it to God. And then so God be the glory. And that is your portion and your prize, your reason for joy, as it refines who you are. And the testing there, you know, um, the, the sense of the word there means to, to prove genuine, to be true. And the sense is like a silversmith who is refining silver and wiping away impurity, forging. That hurts. But when he is done and it is pure, they polish it. And the polishing is as a sense of until the, the polisher or the refiner can see, the blacksmith, can see his face in the silver. God is taking you from where you are and is refining you and polishing you as a fine silver that you may be pure. He is ascribing to you real value. For when we indulge in the sensual pleasures of the world and find ourselves in the folly that the world is offering, we're making ourselves like a more garbagey, less refined metal. But in the Lord's refining, though the discipline is painful for a time, there is a great righteousness that he's working with us, which leads us to store our treasures in heaven, which changes us to be more like him, shining brightly, pure. That's an esteemed reason of joy. That is the application of the wisdom. That is where the direction going will take us. 
And what's really interesting about this for me is when I look at what Solomon is saying there in Proverbs and what James is saying there, I see two very different men. Solomon was the third king of Israel and Judah, and he was in a time of peace that he ruled. He was potentially the richest man who ever lived. Scripture says he was the wisest man who ever lived. And he had great uh, knowledge of of the natural world and the things of God. And he was a great diplomat and was able to build a large and beautiful temple and expand Israel in that time. But as time moved forward in his life, wisest man who ever lived, he gave way to the sensual things of this earth. And he had over 300 wives, and over 700 side pieces. That man's heart was full of junk if he had a different woman for every day of the year for three and a half years. It's gross. And Ecclesiastes, when he's an old man, he says how meaningless that was. He says how meaningless, how he gave himself over to every pursuit of pleasure on this earth and how drink was meaningless, how food was meaningless, how giving himself over for the, even the betterment of society in and of itself for himself and throwing his money at things was meaningless, worthless. But by that point in his life, when he had come to his senses, it was too late. He had spent years and years and years pursuing this, and the damage was done. God forgives. We deal with consequences sometimes. And the wisest man who ever lived, who had given himself over to hedonistic pleasures because of his pursuits and and the things of the earth and of women, By the time he came to his senses, he had influenced his children in such a way that when he passed, his son was undirected in wisdom, was not hearing from God. He reads this from 1 Kings. And the kingdom split. And it hasn't been returned to what it was for like three to 5,000 years. Because he did not direct himself in the ways to go. You may be wise and been walking in the faith for a long time, but you still need to direct your heart each and every day. You can know a lot about this and got nothing going on in here, you know? Or maybe you do incline your heart in this way. Well, you got to know something. It takes both. It takes both. I don't want to be Solomon, though, have the whole world and to lose myself in the process of it. And then at the end of my life, recommit myself to the way, though it's still a beautiful thing. I want to be James. James is writing here, he was already an old man when he wrote this. And, and Israel was in diaspora, diaspora, like they're completely spread out. They didn't have their land at all anymore. They're being decimated left and right. And he's telling them to count it all joy. That's how he opens his epistle. And he, he sees what the results of a guided heart will do through a lifetime of faithfulness, through constant directing of the heart. You know, Solomon died regularly, was buried, his son took over, it all fell to pot. James was so fruitful for God and so joyed. Church history tells us that they took him to the top of the temple. They threw him off and he wasn't dead yet. So then they proceeded to beat him until he died. Didn't have a place really to live of his own. Didn't have like a whole lot of money to his name. He was an esteemed minister, but this man would continuously hear from God. He was wise. And he applied it all the days of his life that he may be directed in the way. That's the kind of man I would like to be. Who will you be? 
Will you be Solomon, engaged with the world, but not with your Lord? Or will you be James? Constantly in the pursuit of your God and letting him guide you in the way. For it is crucial in 2021 that we continuously hear from God above all else and take this together in the application of wisdom that our hearts may be directed and guided in the way that we are to go. Your life will be blessed for it. Your evangelism will be effective. Your evangelism might even happen for the very first time if you've never engaged in such things. People will hear you because they'll see your love for the Lord. And the things which you've been dealing with in trial will finally be the testimony that you share. Let that be our marker and our pursuit and our prize. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your continuous transformation of our hearts. Lord, I ask that we not leave your presence today until we contend with you. God, when, when we're all alone after service today and we open the book, we open your word, may we not leave it until you, you have moved us in some way, God. Lord, help us wrestle with you. God, help us move forward to not be taken sway by all the things going on, but instead engage with you and being informed by you and directed by who you are with our hearts. So Lord, grant us this mercy and grace and help us move forward. And may everything we do and say be a pleasing fragrance unto you. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen.